This is The Guardian. Today, for the second anniversary of the war in Ukraine, you'll hear stories of heroism and sacrifice. This is not one of them. Part one of a special three-part series. To follow that thread and follow it and follow it and follow it. And it took me all the way to the front line in Ukraine. We're on the road approaching Kherson. It's a beautiful winter morning, clear blue sky, except for the vapor trails of what we think is a Russian jet. And what it revealed to me was something fundamental about the war, and that's that. Putin is trying to conquer Ukraine with troops and missiles and bullets and artillery rounds, but there's a much more subtle but no less powerful technique as well, which is something he's been doing ever since he was a KGB officer back during the Cold War. Buying loyalty. If you sign up with him, you sign up with Putin, you give him your unswerving loyalty, you do whatever he asks of you, the rewards for that can be massive. And Vladimir Saldo was a man you could buy. Today, and for the next two days, we're telling the story of something people prefer not to think about. That in war, there are heroes, people who fight back against the enemy. But there's also another group, collaborators. Those Ukrainians who, when Russia invaded, didn't just see fear and chaos and violence. They saw opportunity. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, Saldo, Ukraine's gangster governor. Part one. Tom, this is the story of a collaborator, the kind of person who might not carry a gun, but who makes Russia's occupation of Ukraine possible. And it begins a long time before the war. Tell me about Vladimir Saldo. Saldo looks a little bit like a kind of charming, smiling version of the scream of the Munch painting. He's got that kind of gaunt, skeletal face. And he's tall 
close cropped hair. There's footage of this guy on stage, and he's not one of these kind of awkward politicians trying to get across his five big policy pledges. He takes the mic, he sings. People who like him and people who loathe him, they all say he's got this charisma, he's got this charm. And that's carried him a very long way. His whole demeanour lights up when he smiles. You'll hear people say that in private, if you cross him, he can turn. He's one of the most successful politicians of his generation, really, in Kherson, this southern region of Ukraine. Everyone knows him there. Everyone knows his name, everyone knows his face. Three terms as mayor, he made it to the national parliament. You said that he had been the mayor of this Ukrainian city, Kherson. When he was running Kherson, what was the city like? It's a port city. You might think of it somewhere like Baltimore. Big organised crime presence. A lot of corrupt money in politics. A lot of violence in business. A long way from the capital. It's on the, it's on the Dnipro. It's on the river that's flowing out into the south Ukrainian coast, not far from Crimea. And into that scene in the late 90s, early noughties emerges this guy, Saldo. He's made a bit of money in, in, in property. He's someone who's able to navigate those worlds. Why do you think he decided to go into politics? I was asking that question myself on the ground in Kherson at the front line. I was working with a brilliant man, Kostya Andriuk, who is a Ukrainian journalist, hugely known for his, his YouTube channel. Hmm. So much so they were constantly getting stopped on the road and for people to take selfies with him. And he helped by finding people and translating. We're here sitting um, a few yards from where a, a, sh- a shell hit earlier today, um, killing one woman and injuring two more. And I, I'm, I'm talking with uh, Vitaly Bogdanov, who... Um, is a local politician. Kostya, can we, can we just ask, what was Salda known as when, when he was the mayor? So his nickname was Vova, 50%, because he always told, I am a mayor, where is my 50%? So if we are talking about Saldo, it's always about money. So saldo, it equals money. Always money. Is it unusual for a, a politician in Ukraine to be that corrupt? Well, look, this is politics in Ukraine. This is how it works. You got into it to make money. It's corrupt politics, patronage politics. You dispense patronage for loyalty. You take your cut. You get rich. Saldo is brilliant at this game. He advances and advances. And by 2012, he's gone all the way to the national parliament. Tom, you said that Seldo was in it for the money. How much money? How rich is this guy? I mean, I don't know about you, Michael, but he's certainly richer than me. He starts to amass a lot of property. Remember that he's the political boss of the city, right? He's the the people's representative. But he's also doing pretty well for himself. So a lot of property in the city, property and business interests abroad, big cars, that kind of thing. He's a rich man. And in a city with a lot of organised crime and a lot of corruption, a figure like Saldo trying to use his power to get rich and to protect those riches is going to bump up against 
some other powerful people, some other dangerous interests, and that's going to mean he has enemies. Obviously, even before the full-scale invasion two years ago, Ukraine had a really difficult, antagonistic relationship with Russia, and Ukrainians themselves were divided on how closely to be tied to Moscow. Back in the early noughties, where did Saldo sit on that question? So Saldo has never made any secret of the fact that he is sympathetic to those who have fond memories of the Soviet Union, who feel a sense of Russianness. The party of regions, the big influential pro-Russian party, remains very, very strong. And Saldo is a member of that party. One of the people we were able to find was Olga Spivakina. Uh, Olga started off working with Saldo a long time ago, early in his political career, and for a long time was his speechwriter. At that time, would you describe Saldo as someone who's pro-Russian? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, okay, listen, uh, you know, I'm always smiling when I hear in the question like this, because for us, before 24th of February, as a citizen of the South region, this kind of question, it was always like a puzzling question. Why? Uh, because uh, 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 it's story uh, about mentality. You can hear Olga there, you know, talking in English, saying it's about mentality, mentality. And how maybe we forget that, that people in, in southern Ukraine under Soviet rule for a very long time have, Olga would say, a certain relationship with Russia, a certain set way of thinking about that. A kind of nostalgia? Yeah, a lot of people will say that what Saldo can do is he can tap into nostalgia. Yeah, but maybe it's very difficult to understand for the people uh, in the UK. I was born in Soviet Union, 1983. I was born in the very powerful country. They thought and uh, everybody told them that we are brothers and sisters, Russians, Ukrainian, Belarusian people. And this is a great common family. So if we are talking about Saldo as a politician, yeah, of course, he knew that people in this South region, they liked to listen Russian music and Russian pop singers. And of course, as a politician, he invited that singers that people loved. Modern modern talking. Uh, Yeah, 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 very, very popular, like icons of Soviet Union. So Sal did very good at playing that card. So he would have these rallies, these big events, and they would play Modern Talking, this track that was incredibly popular back in those days. And he's he's recreating a certain spirit. By 2012, you said that Saldo had gone from being the mayor of Kherson to an MP in the national parliament. But within a couple of years of that, so by 2014, being a pro-Russian politician in Ukraine suddenly gets really difficult. What happens? Viktor Yanukovych, a spectacularly corrupt 
pro-Russian president. He's in power and he twists the country away from its trajectory towards the EU, towards closer relations with the West. Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych is meeting with his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin at the Kremlin on Tuesday. And when Yanukovych tries to pull Ukraine forcibly back into Russia's orbit, that brings these huge street protests on the Maidan, the the, the great square in, in Kiev. And that culminates in an uprising that's met with violence by Yanukovych's troops. And ultimately, he has to flee to Russia. What we saw here today was a revolution. Ukraine has ousted its president, sending shockwaves from Washington to Moscow and dealing a massive blow to Vladimir Putin's Russia. And so this is a moment of great hope for Ukrainians. But within days of the revolution, things turn pretty dark. What happens? Evidently, Putin cannot, will not tolerate this kind of resistance and in go the troops. This morning, more unidentified pro-Russia armed militias patrolling the streets of Crimea's capital. So they're not marked at first with Russian insignia. These are the little green men you hear about. But pretty quickly, Putin's forces have seized Crimea and they've seized parts of eastern Ukraine. And so what does this all mean for Saldo? So Saldo, you know, consummate politician, charming, effective. He's made it all the way to the national parliament. But in this moment of crisis, when Ukraine is being threatened by a great power on its doorstep, he appears on this kind of Fox News style Russian TV show, clearly taking the Russian side in this. Yeah, and after this story, he was like doomed because everybody will, will blame you. Everybody will, will talk about you that you was a guest of pro-Russian uh, show. In this kind of defining struggle over what is this new country Ukraine going to be, it's become very clear that he's thrown his lot in with Putin, with Russia. You might think, and lots of people did at the time, that that is a kind of career-ending mistake for him. He's on the wrong side of this huge historical moment. And after the revolution, there's a, a snap election, and Saldo, he stands again for his seat in the national parliament, but he's badly beaten by a pro-Western candidate. His rise through Ukrainian politics is done. He knocks around in business, he's still got money, he's still influential, but he's no longer on this upward track. Coming up, Saldo falls further than he ever could have imagined, and then fate steps in. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. 
Plus, every single Borough order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. So Tom, Vladimir Seldo, this pro-Russian politician, has been turfed out by voters in this wave of pro-Ukrainian, pro-Western sentiment. His political career appears to be finished. So what does he do instead? Saldo's always trying to retain his influence and find new ways, moving with the times, finding new ways to advance his great cause, which is himself whether that's business deals, cultivating relationships, whatever it may be, he's always on the lookout for that. And then his life takes a bizarre baroque twist. So one day in 2016, Salo gets off a plane in the Dominican Republic, in the Caribbean. And there he meets some business men from her son. Нещодавно стало також відомо про арешт в Домініканській Республіці колишнього впливового Херсонського регіонала Володимира Сальдо. What happens then there are lots of different versions of. Some of them very weird, very strange. Very hard to verify precisely what happened. The version that he will tell is that Saldo is detained there against his will. Hmm. These business rivals lured him there, captured him, handcuffed him to a bed and started electrocuting him. Oh, my God. Right, and they electrocuted him to extort him. This is proper gangster southern Ukraine politics, or business, or both. How long did they have him for? Days or weeks, it seems. He's there for some time. And then he hands over, this does seem to have happened, he hands over the right to some of this property empire that he's built up in her son while mayor. He would say, because he's been tortured. Hmm. Now, there are all sorts of other versions of this, but we know that eventually Saldo ends up in police detention in the Dominican Republic. Right, there's pictures of him in handcuffs on a hot day in the Caribbean. 
And eventually, he's out and back to her song. And he gives his version of events, which is that he was tortured, forced to give his assets over. There is another alternative version of events in which the roles are reversed, right? And it's Saldo doing the torturing. But I must say, a lot of people I spoke to, they do credit Saldo's account here. And if Saldo's account is true, if he is the one who was detained, chained up, tortured, what did that experience do to him? Some of the people who really know him, they say this does change him, actually, that he's been sick around this time. And and that ordeal has an effect on him. He is a very kind person, and uh, many have used it. He, he had a very big and uh, good heart before this Dominican story. He was jailed there and uh, yeah, his enemies, they, I think they kidnapped him mm-hmm. uh, over there in the Dominicana Republic. And he, he's got back a different person. He wasn't so kind as he was before. He comes back and he seeks to get back what was taken from him. This experience is seems to have been something that's shaped him into maybe a more ruthless man than he was before. And so what happens in this dispute that he had with these business rivals? So as with a lot of political and business battles of the former Soviet Union, this becomes an information war. And what his business rivals release, these are the people that Saldo says have chained him to a bed in the Dominican Republic, they put out a tape. And what they say is on that tape is a recording of Saldo talking away about his relationship with Russian intelligence. So this is after Ukraine has had an uprising against Russian influence, a major local politician talking about having a a standing relationship with the the FSB, Hmm. Putin's main intelligence agency. And he talks about his having a curator, that's what we think of as like a handler, so an FSB officer who you liaise with and who instructs you. I mean, this is an incredibly bitter conflict between Soldo and this rival. Yeah, this is how it goes. This is how politics in Kherson is fought. And in much of Ukraine, you know, you throw any mud you can. If you've got compromat, if you've got damaging information on someone, you use it when you need to use it. Saldo would say that this tape is kind of stitched together from pieces of his voice recordings. I'm not sure I find that particularly plausible. And... Yeah, it's a, it's a big accusation to make. The FSB, Russian intelligence, they are all over Ukraine. They're a successor to the KGB and they've maintained influence networks. It's part of the great struggle for Ukraine. But for a major politician to still have this working relationship, yeah, that's a big deal. And so what happens next? So the businessmen, Saldo say, are responsible for extorting him, detaining him, taking his assets off him. They're from the Pashenko family in Kherson. And specifically, Saldo has said that Denis Pashenko is responsible. Now, in April 2018, Denis's brother, Igor, is at home with his bodyguard in Kherson. 
two men walk up and open fire. Ми повертаємося і одразу до вбивства в Херсоні. Жертвою кілера став 49-річний бізнесмен Ігор Пащенко. Вчора ввечері в чоловіку... One of them winds up dead, and who are the suspects? The police start to investigate this. Doing police work in Ukraine is not easy. It's a fantastically corrupt judicial system. There are all sorts of vested interests interfering in cases. But an investigation starts, and what happens is the bodyguard of Igor Pashenko, he comes through after he's shot, right? He wakes up, and he says, I saw the face of the killer. Hmm. So that allows the police to go on and identify... Two brothers from gangland Herson, from the Herson underground. They did the shooting and they're, they're detained, they're charged. But no one thinks that these brothers are the actual masterminds. So the police investigation continues. And it takes them more than two years. But the police eventually track down another individual and they arrest him in a city near Herson. And he, the police believes was the middleman. This is the guy who gave the two killers the instructions, the target, the money, said, go shoot this guy. Now, what the police think they've established there is they've got the killers, they've got the middleman who passed on the instructions. That leaves one more question. Who gave those instructions? Who's the mastermind? Who's the mastermind? Who's the person who ordered this hit? So when I went to her son, now on the front line of the war, Uh, I met the man who was the police chief overseeing the investigation into this murder and overseeing the detention of the middleman and who had overseen the interviews with the middleman. Here we are with Alexander Prokudin, who is now in charge of this city. We're in a basement in the pretty bombed out city headquarters. And um, Costa, you're going to kindly ask him a couple of questions. Um, you, were, uh, you were the head of the local police before the invasion. Could you just tell us, what was your investigation? So I didn't do this investigation by myself, but I was a head of police and uh, I know what happened in my department of investigation. Our investigators, they uh, have already prepared a suspicious to saldo. It's like an indictment, isn't it? A notice of suspicion. Yeah, notice, yeah, notice of suspicion of all the um, murder, as they supposed, as they knew, the saldo ordered a murder to a person. So he suspects the mastermind behind this killing, the man who ordered it, that is Vladimir Saldo. Right, so what the police chief says to me is, we interviewed the middleman that we detained and he gave up Saldo. He said the guy who ordered this hit is Vladimir Saldo. Now the police take that information, that's solid information for a case, for a prosecution. And the police chief says, we start to go through the formalities of that. So we do the paperwork, we start to give the paperwork to the, to the prosecutors to get the case formally begun and try to have a prosecution. So the chief of police reckons the suspect in this killing is a politician, the former mayor of this town, this incredibly influential guy. Right, yeah, the police chief is sitting there telling me we were building a case, we thought we had enough to start a prosecution 
for this contract killing and that the person he wanted charged is the guy who was three times mayor and a national MP. Tom, when is this all happening? So the middleman, they pick him up in November 2020, but these things are slow, they take many months, they're putting together the case and they're still hard at work on it in February 2022. February 2022. Exactly. Tomorrow, how Russia's invasion of Ukraine changed everything for millions of people and for one man launched a breathtaking political comeback. That's on Tuesday. This series is based on the reporting of Tom Burgess, whose written piece on Saldo you can find at theguardian.com. The Guardian reached out repeatedly to Vladimir Saldo about the allegations in this piece, but he didn't reply. And that is it for today. This series is produced by Sammy Kent. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer is Phil Maynard. And we're back with you tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.